0: Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones, and this is episode 70. In today's episode, we're discussing top sore throat remedies, a common dog dewormer now being used for cancer in people, along with the top five commonly feared household items for pets that are actually not really toxic. Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'd sure appreciate it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app you're using. Questions or comments? Feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. And lastly, I encourage you to grab a copy of my free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, by going here, www.veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. Cats and dogs are susceptible to several diseases similar to us. For example, the flu is a common malady for both people and our furry friends, and flu usually comes with a sore throat. The causes vary, but most of the time it's a viral or bacterial infection from kennel cough. Though typically it's something not as serious, sore throat can cause pain and discomfort. In some severe cases, it may need a prescription for antibiotics, but most often than not, it resolves on its own. However, there are some home remedies that you can use to start soothing your dog or cat's sore throat. First, unpasteurized honey. Honey is known to have antibacterial properties, and one study found that honey was as good as any other traditional cough suppressant. Another research found that honey is a good topical treatment for wounds, making it a great remedy for a scratchy throat. Yet another study has found that honey, when compared to the more common cough suppressant dextromethorphan, is not only far more effective, it's also completely safe, no known side effects. An easy way to give it is giving a half a teaspoon of honey for 10 pounds of body weight. You can either give it straight, mix it in with just a cup of hot water, and then add in five to 10 drops of lemon. You can dose your dog or cat two to three times a day for seven to ten days. Often dogs or cats can feel symptomatically better within the day. Coconut oil. Coconut oil has an array of uses. It's great for digestion, brain health, and can be also very soothing for the throat. It has anti-inflammatory effects and may help your dog or cat fight an infection. A typical dose is a half a teaspoon of coconut oil for 10 pounds of body weight twice daily for 7 to 10 days. Apple cider vinegar. Unfiltered raw apple cider vinegar is shown to have antimicrobial effects. It can often treat the underlying cause, but the biggest thing in using it here is you're treating the underlying problem. It has antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral properties. The way you can give it to your dog or cat is mixing one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar per 20 pounds of body weight with honey, and that way you can also make it much more appealing, getting rid of that acidic sharp taste. If your dog or cat refuses to drink it, you can just squirt a syringe filled of that into your dog or your cat's mouth. Once again, you can use that for anywhere between 7 to 14 days. Fresh ginger tea. Ginger has been used for hundreds of years for its antibacterial, antiviral, and also just plain old sore throat properties. It has antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and it's just that mild spicy aftertaste is often soothing to the throat. One way to use it is peeling fresh ginger root, cut it up really finely, making about a tablespoon of that, adding that to a cup of water, simmering for about 15 to 20 minutes. Then you can add about a teaspoon of honey to mellow down the taste of the ginger. Pretty standard dose of that is about one tablespoon per 10 pounds of body weight, twice daily for seven to 14 days. Elderberry, for what is elderberry? It's known as sambucus. The berries and the flowers of the elder plant are used as medicine. It's one of the most studied elderberry benefits is its powerful immune boosting properties. The berries contain things called athosindines, which are known to have immune stimulant effects. A 2016 study published in Nutrients showed that elderberry supplementation was able to reduce the cold duration and severity slash symptoms of air travelers. Travelers using this herb from 10 days before traveling until four to five days after travel experienced a two day shorter duration of their colds as well as well as a noticeable reduction in cold or flu symptoms. There are many studies that have found benefits to support the use of elderberry syrup for flu symptoms. The flavonoids found in the extract bind to H1N1 human influenza virus as well as the H5N1 avian influenza virus. Elderberry not only treats many of the more common causes of sore throat but it is also a powerful anti-inflammatory making it especially helpful for painful inflamed throats. A typical elderberry dose is one teaspoon of the concentrated elderberry juice for 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Licorice root tincture. Licorice root has been shown to alleviate pain, has been used as a pre-surgical mouth wash, has documented antibacterial, antiviral properties along with anti-inflammatory properties. Studies with people show that it helps recover after surgery. Sucking on a single lozenge containing licorice beginning 30 minutes before having a tube inside. Inserted through the mouth into the trachea reduces cough following surgery by about 50%. Also, gargling with licorice fluid before intubation reduces complications when bre- the breathing tube is removed. Avoid using licorice root if your dog or cat has underlying organ or heart dysfunction. I find that licorice root works really well in combination with honey and elderberry. A pretty typical dosage is 0.5 mils of the licorice root tincture per 20 pounds of body weight. You can mix that with one teaspoon of honey plus one teaspoon of elderberry juice. And this can be given to your 20 pound dog two to three times a day for seven to ten days. Dog dewormer working for cancer in people. Korean cancer patients are rushing to pharmacies to buy fenbendazole. It's a dog antiparasitic and there's a YouTube video which has gone viral claiming that this drug has cured a U.S. terminal cancer patient. What it's mentioning, uh, the name of the person is Joe Tippins. He was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer in 2016. According to the videos, doctors told Tippins that he had only three months to live as the cancer had spread to his whole body, including the liver, pancreas, bladder, stomach, and bone in January 2017. Later, while attending a clinical trial at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Texas, Tippins allegedly stumbled on a veterinarian statement on an online forum. It argued that the dog dewormers were effective in treating various types of cancers and rat experiments, and that a scientist who had stage four brain cancer saw his cancer cells disappear after taking this common dog dewormer for six weeks. Tippins also found an article in a journal called Scientific Reports that mentioned phen all starves and kills the cancer cells. So after he took this fenbendazole, this dog dewormer, also known as Panicure, for three months, Tippin's PET scan showed no sign of cancer. And an additional PET scan in September of last year confirmed that he was cured of the cancer. This video is rapidly spread uh, throughout the community and along social media. And since that time, you actually pharmacies have actually run out of stock of this drug, fenbendazole. There are some cautions, and this is first reported in the article, uh, coming from certain ministries saying fenbendazole has not been tested in people and they're saying that cancer patients should not take the drug. The journal mentioned in the YouTube video claims that fenbendazole is effective in treating cancer is an experimental study on non-human cells and there have been no, no human studies conducted on using the drug. A search in PubMed, a search engine accessing the Medline database of references and abstracts on life sciences and biomedical topics also confirms some of these claims. While searching for some of the different research research on it, um, there have been about 20 different lab and animal studies. There's only been about four specific studies, two lab studies and two animal experiments directly relating to using fenbendazole and treating cancer. None of these studies have been conducted on people. So, you know, I personally use this drug, also known the brand is actually called Paniger. We use it often in veterinary practice. It's a very safe and effective, very older uh, dewormer used in horses and dogs and cats. And part of the reason because it works for all the roundworms as well as some tapeworms even whipworms, and even this pretty harder to kill bug Giardia. I never imagined it being effective for cancer. So how exactly is it working? Well, there's been a couple different studies following up on this. And they're saying specifically it's modulating and destabilizing and causing cancer cell death um, by multiple cellula- cellular pathways. So what they're claiming to do is affects, it affects things called the microtubules. It's a microtubule destabilizing agent. Secondly, there are there's some of the people wondering about a potential link between parasites, chronic inflammation, and cancer. And they gave the example, you know, any time you have chronic cell injury, i.e. say a sunburn, for instance, it gets repeated and repeated and repeated, then you're much more likely to have that area to uh, become cancerous, because those cells have been damaged. So what about for doses? Well, doses that have been sort of published uh, via the internet for people, uh, average about 10 milligrams per kilo. The regimen people are taking is four days on, three days off. As far as specific types of cancer, obviously this type of uh, lung cancer, but I think people are taking for an array of different cancers, especially some of the ones that are harder to treat, such as colon cancer, pan- pancreatic cancer. If I were to treat a dog, so I had many clients and pet owners say like, what about using it for dogs, for cats? You know, it's a really safe uh, conventional medication, relatively inexpensive, available through your veterinarian. And if I had a dog, once, once again, with a pretty serious type of cancer, I hope I don't, but in my last two dogs and both have had cancer, no question I'd be using panicure. Most of the time when we're dosing our dogs, it would be the dose would be 50 milligrams per kilo once a day for four days. And that was this typical dose to say, treat a dog that to deworm them, treat them for giardia. If I was to dose my dog for cancer, I would dose them at 50 megs per kilo once a day for four days, have three days off, repeat this course throughout a month, and then see if it's being beneficial or not. The last part of today's podcast, don't panic. Here are five items pet parents don't need to worry about. Our pets are often curious and they love to explore our houses for things to play with or just try to chew on. Fortunately, not every ingestion is going to be a cause for panic. So the ASPCA, the Animal Poison Control Center, has put together their top five list of commonly feared items that you shouldn't be mindful of, but you know, shouldn't panic over if your pets get into them. The first one is silica gel. These desiccant and oxygen absorber packets that can be found in shoe boxes, handbags, etc. Sometimes they're found in just packages of jerk, pill bottles. If your pet gets into them and ingests a sil- silica gel packet, an oxygen absorber or desiccant, mild stomach upset is typically all that's seen. If you've got a small dog, for instance, a cat, and the packet is plastic and on the larger size, there is the small risk that this could get stuck in their stomach or intestines and cl- cause a blockage, but this is very uncommon. Number two, most birth control pills have a very low concentration of hormones. If your dog, for instance, were to ingest even a whole packet of pills, it would just lead to mild stomach upset such as vomiting and possible diarrhea. Often you should be more worried about the pla- plastic packaging than the actual pills. If enough pills are ingested by your pet, changes to the bone marrow can be seen. How this would usually take hundreds of pills in a medium sized dog to be a problem. As strange as it may sound, cats and dogs love to eat ant and cockroach baits. These baits usually contain peanut butter and are sugar to attract the insects, meaning they're really tasty for pets as well. Luckily, there's such a small amount of the bait in these products that stomach upset is typically the only problem that's seen. Just like with birth control pills, oftentimes it's the plastic packaging is the bigger concern because it can potentially cause a intestinal obstruction. Glow jewelry. It can seem really highly toxic, you know, because pets tend to show pretty dramatic signs when they bite into these products. Typically, they're going to drink Ratch, gag, shake their head, sometimes even vomit after biting into the glow jewelry. This is because the material inside the, the glow jewelry itself is very bitter. Good news, these ingestions are not serious, and the most you can usually expect is just the drooling as a result of the taste. Number five is toilet tank tablets. They tend to be a common concern for pets who love to drink out of the toilet bowl. As long as the product has been diluted in the toilet water, you should only see mild stomach upset. However, if your pet chews directly on one of these tablets, it can result in chemical burns. And then you're going to need, need to be seeing your veterinarian and having some specific veterinary care. So in summary, while these products don't cause too much for concern, any incident should be looked on looked at on a case-by-case basis. If your dog or cat has ingest, ingested something foreign, go ahead, contact your veterinarian or the ASPCA Poison Control Center at 888-426-4435 for further guidance and assistance. Well, thanks you guys. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. I hope you found it helpful and informative you've learned something new once again if you if you've yet to subscribe you can do so on any of your favorite podcast apps wherever you're listening to this podcast and questions or comments feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog and lastly i encourage you to get a copy of my free book it's at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news